Welcome to The Confessional. I'm Mike Moran. Tell us your deepest, your creepiest, your funniest. Confess to us. No one's listening. All right, everybody, welcome to the latest leaf-blowing episode of the Confessional Podcast. <laughs> My name is Mike Moran. We have a, we're going to skip all the formalities. I don't care how you're doing, Jimmy. You don't okay. care how I'm doing. It's okay. It's, uh, we, we have, uh, you're not going to believe the, the guests we landed today, though, Jimmy. I might. I might believe it. You're not going to believe it. This gentleman has literally made two of my favorite documentaries. Okay, you're right. I don't believe you. Two of my favorite, Cropsy and Killer Legends, actually made me kind of want to get into the documentary world. Okay. Uh, he has been uh, working on huge, huge projects ever since, Jimmy. He does the, the Sons of Sam. The Sons of Sam. That's the uh, 70s murderer. Exactly. Correct? Okay. Uh, he, he's done The Loneliest Whale, produced with Leonardo DiCaprio. How many movies have you done with Leonardo DiCaprio, Jimmy? Uh, exactly. Yeah. Sit down. <laughs> Guys, <laughs> please, while you're welcome this, to the confessional podcast, our very special guest, Joshua Zeman, everybody. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for stopping by, Joshua. Uh, just real quick. Thank what, you what's, for having me. Of course, man. Uh, just real quick, what's your uh, what's your latest uh, project that you're working on, or wh- where can people find you, or all that good stuff? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, well, I'm a Twitter guy, so at Josh J O S H Zeman Z E M A N. So at Josh Zeman, uh, that's where people usually find me. Um, and jeez, uh, what am I working on? Well, you know, uh, about two years ago. I did this movie, The Loneliest Well. I did the Sons of Sam series about uh, the Son of Sam killer on Netflix. That was big. And then um, just gearing up for the next big true crime doc. Is that uh, I, is that classified right now? Or? Sounds classified. It is classified. We don't yeah, get a it's little classified. Preview. It's kind of an open secret, but it's it's classified. All oh, right, it's an open all right. Secret. I like okay. that. I like that. It's, um, I, I'll give you a hint. It's a big crime in New York City. In the 9/11. late 70s. As far as I'm aware, there was only several crimes in New York City in the 70s. Yeah, so it could only be a I handful of that's three. That's true. I, I really narrows three. it down. That time that Tim Floyd was arrested for yeah. uh, spitting on the sidewalk. Yeah, Tim Floyd. That was that was really messed up what happened. Man. Uh, and of course, our co-host today, who we are also very happy to have uh, from the amazing True Crime Campfire podcast. This podcast is just blowing up. I could not be happier for her. Whitney Lee, everybody. <laughs> Is our co-host. Hi. And I am so excited, Josh. I am such a massive fan of yours. This is like a big deal for me. It's so cool to meet oh, you. And my co-host Katie also. She wanted me to tell you, huge fan. Well, thank you very much. Mm. Yeah, uh, I'll definitely. pay you guys twenty dollars at the end of this for all the nice things. Oh, awesome! Thanks. That's why we invited you anyway. We were all <laughs> yeah, just trying better. to make twenty bucks. <laughs> you can pay us in generic cola, really. Venmo, Cash App, <laughs> Summit Diet, that's right. cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Have you seen the price of cigarettes lately? That's yeah, I know. Actually I will take a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, dude. Totally. Oh, man. But uh, yeah, today we are discussing a, a topic that comes up frequently on The Confessional, Jimmy. I don't. Have we ever had an official uh, uh, Satanic Panic episode before? I feel like we kind of have. Um... We actually we've we've you're right we have brush on it a lot. I don't know if we ever made it an official episode though. I should really find the time to go back and see if we've done it. Yeah, we do a lot of part twos and things. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so we are discussing the Satanic Panic of the 1980s. Uh, Joshua, can you give us just a, a little bit of a, a, a background with your experience of that? I know you you grew up in it just like Whitney and I. Jimmy's a little <laughs> too young for it, mm-hmm. but uh, <laughs> just just uh, what were you, what were some of your experiences with that whole phenomenon? Uh, well, you know, it's very interesting. I grew up mo- uh, mostly in Staten Island, New York, which is the forgotten borough of New York City. And because it is the forgotten borough, uh, Staten Island never left the 1980s and the 1990s <laughs> in its heyday. So, really? As a result. <laughs> They're just getting MySpace they- this year, I think. <laughs> it's a big deal. Uh, it's it's really a big deal. Just, it's, it's, it's really stuck back in the day. So uh, weirdly enough, Satanic Panic just never left. So growing up, I really got to experience it over and over again, right. going out into the woods, hanging out, right. listening to 
Metallica and then the cops turning around and saying that, you know, uh, we were all devil worshippers in the woods. Right, right. Um, and but, you know, this is something I tend to explore because sometimes there's a little bit more in the woods sure. than just kids. So, you know, this is something I I can't tell you how many projects I touch upon have some form of satanic panic or not satanic right. panic, yeah. stranger danger, uh, mm-hmm. McMartin, you know, trial, yeah. uh, you know, recovered memories, just, that whole thing, recovered memory. Oh, yeah. it just, it's just, fuck, it's crazy. And it just comes back over and over and over again. And I think where we are right now, you know, is a very interesting time for some reason. Gee, I wonder why um, we tend to go back <laughs> to all these false things. Right, going right. On. I, nothing makes me feel older to know that I lived through a literal witch hunt. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> I lived in the 1600s. Uh, but Joshua, yeah, the the thing that I that I really loved about your your Cropsy documentary—that was the first one I saw of yours—was that you, you took on this idea of an urban legend that kind of turned out to be true, and that's like one of my favorite things to explore. There's actually several around here that can kind of fall into that category. We got the Bunny Man, mm-hmm. and apparently there really was a man running around with a bunny suit on, yeah, uh, uh, attacking people with an axe. Yes, we got uh, Black Aggie around here. We got the Exorcist Boy. They finally found out who he actually was. Yeah, we also discussed the uh, Lock Raven Cliffs as a major <laughs> yes, urban was, legend. Everyone knows about that one. <laughs> yeah, weirdly, we had we had the discussion of there's like some cliffs around here that Jimmy and I always heard people talking about in high school. Yeah, like to, all the cool and, high and, school yeah. kids. And apparently we were never invited and yeah. we were just like, dude, this actually <laughs> So we just convinced right. ourselves it was like an urban legend. Right. I was like, dude, there's not like a cool place that we're not invited to. It's just a yeah. myth. Yeah, And we actually Surely did. Surely not. Uh, <laughs> So it was uh, a party last weekend. A myth. <laughs> <laughs> we actually did an episode with Chris Gethard where we discussed urban legends that were kind of based in reality mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty cool. Were you, yeah. Are you uh, familiar at all, uh, Joseph? Uh, I'm sorry, Joshua, with the um, with the whole weird New Jersey series and all that? Fuck yeah. I, can I curse? Absolutely. Well, you just did. Fuck yeah. <laughs> we encourage it. <laughs> um, so, so, like, this is a great... So, first of all, when Weird New Jersey came out, I was like, holy shit, this is my Bible. Right. You know, like, yeah. this was it. That was and like the first thing came, like that, kind of. It was the first thing. Like, I remember it was the magazine and it was p- printed in like black and white. And I would like go down there and go through each one. And it was this like totally blew my mind because this is where my mind was sure. doing Cropsy, you right. know? And I was like, oh, and Staten Island is, of course, right next to New Jersey. So, it yeah. was like yeah. my, my brother's over the river. Are you are so, you familiar with uh, with Gethard, the uh, the comedian who who uh, was highly involved in that? He had the Chris Gethard show for a while. Really nice guy. I, uh, no, you would know him mainly so. as a really I, nice guy. <laughs> okay, I don't hang out with really nice guys, so that's pretty. Much that's why you're here. One. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but was really interesting. I love that, and and there was another gentleman. Uh, um, who I was working with, uh, Jesse, Jesse Pollock, I guess, for a little bit. Right, he, right. He did, a, he did The Devil's Teeth about um, uh, a, a case in New Jersey. And so I love weird New Jersey. And then they did all weird all over the place. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? Weird yeah. everywhere. And then I saw him in in airports and i'm like oh fuck you know these guys blew (laughs) up you know every cool person i know has that weird state book in their house you know Mm -hmm. what i mean (laughs) yep everybody here has a weird maryland uh whitney uh real quick what are your kind of uh memories of the of the satanic panic oh man well you know i was a true crime nerd from way back so i probably was more attuned to it than most people when I was a kid. But probably the first thing that I remember was hearing a rumor in like either late elementary school or early middle school that Liz Claiborne, the fashion designer, was a Satanist. And I think the basis <laughs> Those are the best. This... Like, it's, it's always one thing if like Metallica is accused of being Satanist. But when it's like... It's bizarre. <laughs> Yeah, I remember hearing Bon Jovi were <laughs> probably Satanists, and there's what, what, wasn't there I heard like Elaine Bryant? Elaine Bryant was into BDSM. Right, really? right. Well, no, well weirdly, a, a thing that went along with it. It is now, Josh. 
<laughs> yeah, like uh, weirdly, like gay phobia kind of went along with the whole thing too. Like I would always hear, uh-huh. you know, like so yeah. someone told me this very salacious urban legend uh, in in elementary school. You like Bon Jovi? I heard he went on TV and said a hole is a hole. I'm like, well, that might be the lamest. Like, <laughs> that might be the truest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Sorry, wait, so, yeah, well, I think the basis of it was she she had a logo that was like a little triangle or something. I don't right, know right, what right. the significance of it was supposed to be. But see, we were all into the Liz Claiborne purses at the time. And so I was just horrified that my closet was full of Satan purses. Now it'd be metal and I'd be into it, but back then, right, right, yeah, <laughs> it's just it horrifying. Be, I don't know. And then in in middle school, I got into the Anne Rice books, and this group of popular girls decided that that meant I was a devil worshiper. Sure. So they would do the rosary whenever I would walk by. That was super fun for me. And then when I got <laughs> well, into at least they um, cared, you know, games, they're looking out for my you. My parents, bless them, <laughs> my Southern Baptist parents found my Vampire the Masquerade book. Yeah, and. Ooh were so horrified that they made me go talk to our pastor. (laughs) 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 Was fun. And the funniest thing about that is I swear to God in heaven, he told me that the way he got into the the ministry was that he used to be a big hippie is how he put it. And he was tripping LSD at a concert. I shit you not, he told me this. Southern Baptist minister in the privacy of his office, he was like, and I, I took some LSD and that's when I was called and I put all that stuff away. And, I, you know, basically like. Wait, so he, cre- he credited the LSD with, with, with the enlightenment there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. Isn't that bizarre? What My parents heck? didn't believe me. When I told them, they were like, he did not say that. I'm like, right, You're like, I got some. Uh, is, what was the concert? Right. Like, <laughs> oh man, I wish I knew. I wish I remembered. You know, yeah, it was that. some Satanist shit yeah, like, yeah. like. You know, Led Zeppelin, you know, like yeah. the red hot chili pepper. <laughs> right, right. I love how like our <laughs> like the the nerdiest what? bands of today, like Judas Priest, Iron Maiden. Those were the scary guys. They were they're like yeah. the biggest like history. They write songs about wars from the 1800s. You know, <laughs> Led Zeppelin well, were writing about Bilbo Baggins for Christ's right. sakes. <laughs> right, yeah. uh, there's a very famous there's a very famous book like the first first satanic panic book is written by this guy named Jeffrey Victor. Yes. Right. And I, and I spoke to him while making Cropsy and he was like trying to explain to me what satanic panic was and it was new. And I was like trying to figure it out. And he's like, and he got into it because his son was labeled a Satanist. And I think this was in like Bingham, Bingham to New York. And what happened was there was a rumor going around that everybody was going to meet in this abandoned warehouse and they were going like all the kids from the school were going to meet in an abandoned warehouse and perform this ritual and listen to this music. And somehow the it got it got out to the school uh, administrators and then it got out to the priests and then the priest told the parents and then the parents. Like they all they they were the ones who made right, the story. Yeah, right. They, oh they, yeah. They were the ones who were like, and so yeah. then they would go there to their kids and they'd be like, um, is something going down in the warehouse? <laughs> and are you guys going to be doing some kind of ritual? I hear there's gonna be bad stuff. And then the kids would think, because they heard it from their parents that shit was gonna yeah. go down in the warehouse, and then the kids would tell each other, like, dude, we gotta go to the right, warehouse. Right, right. It's yeah. going down in the warehouse. <laughs> yeah. And, and so oh. it was a big game of telephone. And then at the end of it, the punchline is Jeffrey Victor's like, so you know what was going to go down in, in the warehouse? I was like, no, he he was like, Natalie Merchant was singing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so like, that was it. Wow. That was Natalie Merchant dressed in black. That's like a shaggy was dog the joke. Big devil worship thing going down. <laughs> I love okay. it. It's so, so bizarre. Like, it's so weird. Like the things that get incorporated into these stories and legends. It's just, it's just, and, it, and the weird thing is, like the, the 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 times that we actually did find groups of kids doing satanic stuff, they were probably inspired by the hysteria itself, right? Mm-hmm. Of course, oh, <laughs> it's all role playing. Yeah, like, absolutely. So in in the in the in the folklorists, like I speak to all these folklorists when I was doing cropsy, and they all call it legend tripping, mm-hmm. which is this totally cool thing where basically you hear about a legend, so you go there. To kind of scare the shit out of yourself. Right. And that's called legend tripping. Right. So when there is an abandoned mental uh, abandoned mental institution or a haunted house, you're walking in there and you're going legend tripping because you want to scare the shit out Absolutely. of yourself to see whether or not you're man enough to survive. 
Whoa. Yeah, we totally did that. Like my friends and I in high school, we would do stuff like that. What it was, what was your town every time? What was your town's uh, kind of thing going on, Whitney? What, did you have like a hell house or something like that? We did. We had a cemetery, a very pretty cemetery, actually. And the main thing I remember about it is that I swear to God, I'm not making this up. It has two tombstones together right next to each other, butt and cheek. I have a picture <laughs> of it somewhere. I swear to God. That's oh, my God. That is That's beautiful. That's cemetery. awesome. Wow. Those, those are either and, the most unfortunate yeah. named people or the coolest people. <laughs> I, I know. The I coolest. Right? I'd yeah. love to know which. I really wish I knew if it was on purpose, but oh, it was, man. you know, that was like a rite of passage for us. Yeah, to yeah. Now, now, Joshua, but, bef before we get to, uh, oh, sorry to interrupt you, Whitney. Did you have more on that? Oh, it was just supposedly haunted, and right. it was supposedly haunted by a murderer, and uh, yeah, it's, it's just terrible you know, smells coming from it. Yeah, <laughs> her always over. I loved it there. It was pretty. I used to take pictures there of all the statues and stuff because I was a little sure, you know, goth kid. No, that's great. That's great. Yeah, everyone around here is taking a, a, a every goth kid around here is taking a photo on the Black Aggie little pedestal out in oh, yeah. uh, where the, the cursed statue used to be. Um, but Joshua, in your neighborhood, or at least in your borough, the urban legend was clearly around this, uh, the, the Cropsey myth uh, intertwined with the reality of this serial killer named Andre Rand and this uh, abandoned mental institution. That her, yeah. Oh, God, I just realized Geraldo came full circle in the satanic panic. He, like, exposed that mental institution, and then he, that's a side thing. <laughs> but anyway, Joshua, yeah. did, did you guys actually go explore the uh, the mental institution and things like that? Yeah, like, we did it as kids, right? That's where you went as <clears throat> for the keg parties. Oh. You also did it to go, like, scare yourself. Right, Because right. there were, like, 30 buildings, and they're all kind of different. And I'm sure some kids were playing satanists sure like going there and be like yeah let's go there and you know listen to you know master of puppets and drink right. a lot of beer and smoke right and God then bless them. <laughs> and then and then you know that's partly where it all kind of the the mix happened and then we, so we went there filming we're like okay let's go right. legend tripping in our old area and it was just funny to go there and to see all these kids they had kind of like pulled, made their own urban legends. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's really funny. I remember one time we're walking in, we're walking in the abandoned mental institution. I got me, my girlfriend at the time, Barbara, who's the co-director, our DP, our sound guy. Yep. And we meet these like three or four little kids, yep, yep. you know, like 13 or 14. And we're like, what are you guys doing here? <laughs> They're like, we're, well, you know, we're, we're looking for ghosts. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then they kind of look at us and they're like, you guys are really old. What are you doing here? <laughs> oh, thanks a lot. At, at, least you have the, at least you have the excuse of making a documentary. I literally still get caught like doing those things for the same reason that the teenagers are doing it. But, well, it got, it got worse because they were all wearing masks, like, like uh, painter's masks, you know, and, oh. and like, real like hardcore masks. And and I'm like, well, why do you guys have the masks? And they're like, duh, asbestos. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh my god! So and I remember my, my sound guy and my DP turning around and looking at me, being like, um, when we get home, you're dead. <laughs> Because they didn't Seriously. have masks. None of us had masks. Though. Wow, oh wow. God. You're like, wow, we should be uh, taking advice from these children <laughs> instead of our <laughs> OSHA's going to be right up your ass. <laughs> All right, let's uh, get to a confession here. This is from V. Lee right here in Baltimore, Maryland. I went to South Carroll High 87 through 91. Myself and several of my friends were a small group of punks in a large class of Farmers and trendies. Farmers and trendies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there were several very religious teachers who were scared of us and had <clears throat> compiled a list for the guidance counselor for potential Satan worshipers. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. We all called awesome. into the office separately. We, of course, thought it was hilarious, and we started rumors we were recruiting <laughs> freshmen into a cult such great fun. <laughs> now, it gets a little darker here. It. On a more serious note, there were several dog beheadings and grave robberies Aww. in Mount Airy and surrounding areas. We had nothing oh, yeah. to do with that nasty behavior. Just to oh, just God. to bring down the fun mood there. Yeah. The end there. <laughs> I will say this. It's 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 amazing. I actually applaud Geraldo for for making a, a public apology for his part in the satanic panic. It is sure. amazing our ability to forget the crazy things that we believed a few years ago. Like not yeah. very long ago homophobia was just accepted in this. I mean, I 10, 12 years ago, both 
political parties were against gay marriage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we forget, we, you know, I, I, we forget how quickly, you know, like, oh, yeah. and I don't remember any, like, I don't remember any parents or teachers or anything being like, Hey, that whole satanic thing. That's, we shouldn't have, t- you know, yeah, I'm pretty sure Barack Obama campaigned in 08 against, yeah. like, like said, yeah. like he didn't agree yeah, with gay barely, marriage yeah. in 2008. I know, which was like yesterday. I know it's like <laughs> insane. It's insane. It is. It is. It is. But, that was but, the time. but, but then it's all still, still the same because it hasn't gone away at all. That's the thing. That, satanic panic is such an octopus. I mean, there's so many tentacles well, of it and it, it yeah. pops up in so many different right. places. And it's really never gone away. It's just kind of ebbed and flowed a little bit. Right, right. Yeah, it seems like some version of it has kind of existed forever. You know, like this idea of like Since a secret Illuminati, you know, the, the secret Absolutely. Illuminati figures who commit yep. these weird acts it's such a strange phenomenon i've noticed too like uh not to play psychiatrist here but a lot of like people who suffer <laughs> from schizophrenia kind of almost have those same type of paranoid delusions you know involving That's like like kind of government cults and conspiracies and like child abuse and things like that That's interesting yeah I, I, you know for me doing the research that i've done there's always been a component of one group blaming the other. Right, right. Mm-hmm. You know, we never had devil worshipers until Christianity decided there were there was, you know, the devil worshipers. Mm-hmm. And the whole black mass thing, like that came about because it was the other. It was the renegade priests who were performing black masks. So uh, so it was always about blaming the mm-hmm, other. Mm-hmm. And back yeah. when and so they created it, right? Like, be careful of the other, whether it's the Inquisition, be careful of the, you know, conversos or whatever. So, uh, you know, that's what's so interesting to me is is not just uh, the fact that we believe it, quote unquote, or mm-hmm. the whole telephone game of telephone, but the fact that there's all these other reasons why it's happening. Like, why was mm-hmm. why was satanic panic happening back in the day? And it was you know, the rise of Reagan and the moral majority and, Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Like there was a political purpose to that stuff. They were McMartin. They were trying to, they were trying to prevent women from entering the workplace. And the way that they were doing it was to attack um, preschools because that's where the women were dropping their kids off. Like that was the first line of defense. Go after the preschools. And like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Like preschoolers (laughs) are they're Like the teachers are bringing kids to farms and beheading (laughs) animals and having witches and then bringing them back by the end of the day. Like, I know, and I goldfish crackers and Kool Aid. You guys didn't do that. Yeah, it's (laughs) absurd. And the McMartin thing. Somebody actually, one of the children actually reported that one of the teachers was flying around the ceiling, (laughs) and the prosecutor's just like, "Great, what else can you tell?" Yeah, dude, I totally like. My parents were not like religious fanatic. Like they were kind of religious, but they weren't like fanatical. They weren't like super paranoid conspiracy theorist types. They taught this to me like it was totally fact, you know? They thought it was... Oh, really? Yeah, they oh, thought it was just a real thing. I don't know about all the, like, really magic and stuff, but, like, <laughs> as far as, like, this idea that there were evil satanic cults kidnapping children uh, and they're infiltrating music, you know, that was just kind of a fact that we that we believed at the time. We thought it was a thing that was happening. Mm-hmm. My sister even successfully got my kiss, take it, uh, my kiss tape taken away, given to me oh. by my other... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> given to me by my other oh, no. sister's boyfriend his old kiss cassette that he didn't want anymore because now he was into thrash oh uh, yeah yeah and uh and my mom insisted on listening to it first to make sure it wasn't satanic and i just never heard about it again i still haven't asked her about that i should she's like i'll get back Well, to my you. dad actually sat me down one time and i thought i didn't know what the hell was happening i thought i was in trouble for something and he wanted me to promise him that i would never use a ouija board yeah, dude. I swear to God, I'm not, I, like sorry, sorry, sorry. He was dead. He was dead. It, it, what blew my like, mind was that they had these at, like at at like Toys R Us and stuff. Like I, I grew up like learning that too. Like you never touch a Ouija board. It's like you know, it's you're inviting Satan into your house or whatever. And then they have them on sale for eleven ninety nine at the at the local toy store. Milton Bradley helped us summon the, the devil. It was just absurd. And I knew it was absurd at the time. Like, what are you talking about? Can Not I me, man. I believed it. I, I actually believe it. You're going to open up a gate of hell. Right. Don't you <laughs> look around with that shit. Hey, Joshua. Don't you bring a demon in this house, child. <laughs> you are in so much trouble. Uh, Joshua, did you have any, like, did you believe any of this stuff like me or were you smarter like Whitney? 
I was well, Jewish. I believe some of it. Uh, <laughs> well, that answers our Jewish, question. So I had, I had a. So you're clearly smarter. You know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Like I was the devil. You know what I'm saying? I was a Jew. So you know. Well, yeah. So there's root. There's everybody. deep roots in anti-Semitism for all. I yeah, mean, yeah, especially yeah. the QAnon shit. I mean, it goes way yeah. back to blood libel in the Middle Ages and Nazi propaganda. I mean, it's and ugly, ugly, ugly. And stuff. the Democrats. <laughs> the Dems, <laughs> everything. Oh, yeah. you know, it's Wait, always yeah. the other. Like, was, it's always the other. Hollywood was, elites, whatever they yeah, say. Hollywood yeah. elites. You gotta give me a fucking break. Like Tom Hanks is a fucking pedophile. <laughs> like, what is wrong with these people? Like, how they do you probably exempt that Tom shit? Hanks? Surely they don't like, think Tom Hanks is doing it. Well, then I again, I said the same thing when I heard about Bill Cosby. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, that turned out. Yeah. All right, oh, right. Jesus. Epstein had a lot of friends. Let's <laughs> right. just put it that way. That's true. Yeah, but the problem. Like, I was doing a, uh, I was filming, uh, putting a sizzle together, like a trailer for a, a new project. Right. And talked a little bit about QAnon, and and it goes back to Stranger Danger, and it's the Save the Children's movement, and it's mm. the same thing. Mm. It exactly. has not gone away, and it just blows my mind. Like, did we yeah. not learn anything? No. Nope. And you do have to blame Geraldo. Like, fuck you and your apology. You know, you also like ruined so many kids' lives who were falsely mm -hmm. accused of being a Satanist. But that like, mustache, like, on. come on. That was a beautiful <laughs> Nobody in the Tom 80s Selleck could compete. I know. I, I remember kind of confusing them as a kid, actually, thinking they're the same person. <laughs> but, but the crazy thing is, and this relates to Cropsey, Geraldo really broke open that case. Or, mm. or he was one of the people who broke open that yeah. case. And if you go Horrifying. back to this... To this old video that he has with Willowbrook, uh, The Last Disgrace, there is a kid, and basically it was an institution. Um, it was a snake pit institution. There were, I think it was, I don't want to get my facts wrong, or I'm going to get my facts wrong, so don't quote me. But it, there was like 30 severely disabled children for every like two attendants. Mm -hmm. And now that's, mm -hmm. and so so basically these kids were running around wild. Yeah. They, they they wouldn't wear clothes because they were just so mentally disabled or developmentally disabled. Uh, they couldn't eat properly. Um, oh, they were God. bored. Like if somebody threw like a rubber band on the floor, the kids would all like go mm. after the rubber band, but they wouldn't know their own strength or whether they were hurting somebody else. So you can only imagine how bad it was. So he goes in, he, he, he learns about this. He calls attention to it and he interviews a kid there named Bernard Carabello. Uh, Bernard is 18 years old. He's been dropped off like is recommended back then. Just drop your kid off and never come back because it's right. just oh easier God. on everybody. But Bernard wasn't developmentally disabled. Bernard had MS. So the problem was his mind was fine. So he's oh stuck in this prison with all these mentally disabled people, but his mind is completely fine. Oh so God. what happens is Geraldo ends up um, adopting him. And Bernard, he, Bernard, and Bernard becomes what? a, yeah, Geraldo adopts this guy. He's 18 years Whoa. old, out of the mental institution. Bernard becomes a lawyer. Oh. Uh, and My so God. like that's that a really good thing that, that Geraldo did. It was a really good thing, wow. but at the same time, yeah. Five years oh, later. No. Yeah, he's got he's like not... a he's got a real pendulum of of like good and evil. <laughs> like the yeah, Al, Al Capino, uh, the uh, the Al Capone's vault thing that brings him down a few notches. <laughs> Bernard brings him up a few. <laughs> so, did you guys end up seeing any any of you guys see Sons of Sam? Yes. Yep. Watch it all the way through. Oh, absolutely. I, I got. Um, it was so weird because, like. I, I, this whole satanic panic thing as a filmmaker, I, I couldn't figure out whether it was right. a real bunch of Satanists yeah. or whether it was fake. Well, that was, yeah. yeah, and I appreciated that, that you kind of like took, you know, you weren't like, you, you were exploring the both the ideas. And like, I that was one of those cases where even before your documentary, I'd read about it, and it seemed like there was one or two things that indicated that a conspiracy could have been possible. And it's not... Oh. The, the funny thing about the satanic panic is, and probably every panic, is that it, even though it was a panic and it was 99.9% .9 bullshit, that doesn't mean that there's not going to be some person you know, out of, yeah, out there's of a bunch millions of cases. Right, who, who does kill for mm. Satan you know, or thinks they're killing for Satan. Yes. You know? And there's going to be but cases of a few people. not in an organized way. Here. That's the thing. It's not, right. There's never been a shred of evidence that there's ever been an but, organized, but, systematic... Right. But there you is, know what I mean? There it's are group, there are like a few cases, I believe, 
maybe you guys can tell me if this is correct or not, of of a few individuals, usually teenagers, getting together yep. and, and kind of forming a little makeshift cult. Like we said, probably inspired oh, sure. by the yeah. hysteria itself and committing acts yeah. of violence. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. it's usually one dominant, you know, asshole who recruits a couple of more submissive-minded dorks who look up to him <laughs> or her. In some cases, there was a... a the Chicago Rippers is an example of a case right. where the ringleader was actually a woman. It's fascinating. She was a 17 year old girl. Whoa. How banana pants is that? I almost want to be like, you know, good for her. Right. For on one side, it's like, you're, 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 you're breaking, <laughs> you're breaking <laughs> the glass ceiling of, yeah. of, of killing. It's kind of impressive. Right, right, right. But also, they were yeah. evil as shit. And she just ruled with an iron fist. But the thing was, the thing was, when you dug down into it, she was using that Satanist stuff just to scare the shit out of people and keep them compliant it, which i don't think she believed a word of it that doesn't you mean, mean her adherence didn't like but... how all religions use organized religions <laughs> people funny and, how that works what's funny them. for me what's funny for me is like how almost any group of people no matter what they're doing kind of become culty in a way yes oh yeah sure even like Absolutely. like jobs you know and, and like friend groups mm -hmm. and like you'll kind of start to see like power dynamics and kind of, even kind of like group think and believing things that aren't true type yeah. of thing yeah yeah well, and then there's ricky casso which is uh say you love Satan right, right, right. Case, which was mm -hmm. which was a very famous case up up in new york city but you know again that's the dabbler world mm. they call them the dabblers right. the guys yeah. who who like listen to metallica sure they're gonna kill somebody <laughs> yeah. but are they killing right. can i just <laughs> can i just say yeah. metallica has to be the most revisioned band in music history like if you would have told me when i was a kid and seeing those horrifying t-shirts at the county fair that they would be doing a song with elton john you know, these days. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, the thing is, I had like a huge epiphany with it. Like, honestly, they're one of my favorite bands of all time. I'll admit that. Absolutely. And I they, love Metallica. Yeah, they, they really changed my like when I discovered them, I was terrified of them because the T-shirts were horrifying. And I, I thought they would just be really <laughs> I thought they would be like dumbed down, just like, you know, ugly, like murder music for idiots. And then I remember hearing the music, and I'm like, "This is kind of beautiful. Like, this is like, yeah, it is less boneheaded than the other stuff well, that you know, like." Yeah. For for me, um, the opening scene of um, Paradise Lost, the documentary, yeah, yeah, Sanitarium, uh, with, yeah, about West with Metallica, Street. Sanitarium. You know that I was a filmmaker and I was a producer, but when I saw that, my world view changed yeah it, it was the combination of the music and the the, the intensity and we had just right. seen you know the right. little the dead boys and somebody's like don't go in there you know it was yeah. so visceral that changed and that literally set me on my path and i've right. i've mentioned to joe berlinger i don't want to blow too much smoke up his ass but you know i <laughs> that literally put me on my course oh that's I was great like, okay i want to make this i want to do this so uh, that whole story is really fundamental Getting back to the dabblers versus the organized, that is the question. You know, mm -hmm. the big question is, is there a satanic network? Right. Are there <laughs> groups of Satanists who are talking to each other? Um, no. Nope. Um, are there individuals? <laughs> hey, Jim, this is no. Phil down in the Nevada division. We, uh, we had some questions about you. <laughs> we just got we just got a whole shipment of uh, of goat heads in the mail. I don't know if this is supposed to go to you, but but, but, but the other question is, you have smaller groups, right? And yeah. sometimes those groups are connected. There's a great like an epiphany moment for me. I was researching in Sons of Sam about this group that was connected to Yonkers that was performing animal sacrifices. Did it really happen? And I was like, I don't know. You know, was Berkowitz making it all up the whole nine yards? I then went and spoke to one of the guys who worked in an occult shop called The Magical Child, mm -hmm. which was really big in the 80s in New York City. And I said, what do you think? And he's like, oh, yeah, we knew that there was bad shit going on up in Yonkers. We knew that they were doing animal sacrifices. We were the, like the we were the good witches. We were like the wicked. Oh, right, right, who right. Who sometimes got naked, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, yeah, so I mean, we most. Knew that there was... <laughs> we knew there was a hardcore version up north that were sometimes killing animals. Right, yeah. right. So that was that was the realest it ever got. 
Right, right. So they're like, we do not endorse the views. Of, you know, like that does have. It seems like some of the biggest feuds are within action. You know, like mm-hmm. Christians and, and religious yeah. groups have been murdering. Oh man, yeah. Other groups of you know other versions of their religion for centuries. Uh, well, let's read in one. the in the witch the witch community had Bo right. Ngazi. Do y'all right, know right, this? No, yeah, the that? funny that was bananas. What was it? What's that? We did an episode about it on True Crime Campfire. Um, it was this. This this uh, individual um, who identifies as a witch was selling human bones that they had picked up in this New Orleans cemetery because they lived in New Orleans and they were and, and it turned out it was like a hist- like a historic black cemetery where a lot of like the great music legends and blues legends are buried and stuff which was really super gross that was part of the problem but. I mean, they were just walking around, and some of these cemeteries are so overfilled that bones yeah. will just literally yeah. be sticking up right, through the right. ground. And they were just running around, picking up human remains, like somebody's granddad, and selling them on How the much? internet. Or they claimed they weren't selling. <laughs> they claimed they weren't selling. They said they just just pay the shipping. But, <laughs> yeah, like, I believe. But there was literally, like, in the post, it was like, if you're doing curse work, because these can be really useful for curse work. And it just blew the absolute shit. Out <laughs> I wonder of what the like the, the other items you might like, you know, would be connected to that. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> I am uh, Newt. <laughs> but you know, you see a picture of the people who do this. There was a recent case where somebody else was <laughs> the guy got arrested, I think, for trying to buy human remains. And you gotta get a load of this of this dude. He's got like one eye completely blacked out and like piercings everywhere and like nice. full face tats, and he looks like you know something out of a Hellraiser. And I was like, yeah, it's never the guy you expect. <laughs> absolutely was. Yeah, yeah. But Sometimes yeah, I mean, it, it it's Sometimes. it's true. The infighting is is terrible in yeah, some of yeah. those groups. Yeah. All right, this one is from Ken Dixon, Kansas City, Missouri. Second wave satanic panic got us good here in the Bible Belt circa mid-90s. Both parents quite literally joined a doomsday church, pulled us out of school, and heavily limited who we spoke to and interacted with for about a decade. I still have panic attacks. Yeah, I still have panic attacks (laughs) well into my 30s if I hear something that even remotely sounds like a trumpet. Mm. Oh, no, I'm so sorry. Hopefully your leaf blower. A trumpet? Yeah, a trumpet. I guess. Yeah, what's the significance of the trumpet there? I guess. Yeah, what's that? What's guess, that about? I guess it was in their church, something like that. Oh my god! Um, I like the good, trumpet of God or something. Yeah, I would assume. I don't. You know, See, I do, those it are the sound like the type people. of church that would have the... jazz musicians stop by. Yeah, yeah. Instead of the organ, they just have like a. <laughs> but let, let me finish band. this one real quick. <laughs> a big band night at this. <laughs> I lived a good portion of my childhood fully believing the devil was everywhere and the end was coming anytime now. Growing up trans and queer, I was fully prepared to burn in hell by the time I was 10. Fuck. The, yeah. God the craziest it. part is that by the time I was a teen, I was, in, I was back in public school and my family pretty much acted like none of this ever happened. Ken, we are very <laughs> sorry this happened to you. That's absolutely awful. Oh, my totally. God. The, gr- the greatest trick organized religion ever pulled was convincing the world that the devil was real. Mm. Yeah, isn't mm-hmm. that a quote? Isn't there a quote from Name of the Rose that's kind of like that? It's like yeah, I, I'm yeah. paraphrasing, but it's like the best evidence of the devil being at work is how badly people seem to want it to be true. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, who who had the bit about the the back mask? I wish I had come up with this, but there huh. was like there's like some stand up bit about like really Satan, you're putting all your no- money into vinyl, like that's. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, that's like how people were so scared of the exorcist. And maybe it's just because I'm not Catholic or whatever. But literally, like, the first time I saw that movie, I thought it was hilarious. Like, why are people so scared of this? You thought it was a comedy. You're like, oh, my God. (laughs) The pea soup puke and everything. And your brother sucks cocks in hell. Like, I just died laughing. And Or the edited TV version of Your Mother So Socks in Hell. That's one of my favorite Mm. TV edits of all time. It's the worst insult. It's the worst insult. Sorry, continue, Whitney. I was was just really afraid of falling down those stairs. I know, right? Yeah, dude, those are around here, too. We should totally go visit those. Those are around here, too, actually. (laughs) The stairs? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, and socks. I'll tell you this. that's the best you got... As like, I get older, mm-hmm. as I get older, so there's nothing more terrifying to me than socks and wooden stairs. Mm. <laughs> oh, I broke yeah. my Cossacks. That's real. That shit is real. That happened on the stairs? Uh, oh, yeah. I was running down the steps oh. in socks like an idiot, and it just cracked, and it still hurts when it rains. It was like seven years oh, ago. Oh, I'm sorry. Do if, not run in socks. You need an exorcism, dude. 
So yeah, yeah as, exactly. see, as an old Jewish man, I don't believe in exorcism, but I do believe in slipping on stairs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, I think it's in the Torah, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it should be. If it's not, don't it run. Be. <laughs> All right. Oh, man. We got one more writing here. This is from Serena Dunford, Mariposa, California. The house I grew up in had a small, uh, small room separated from the main house. It was tiny. No facilities of his own, but it still offered some independence. I lived there while in junior high, and it was perfect. It was also around the time the uh, craft came out, and I started my own exploration into Wiccanism. The room became my space to burn candles, collect crystals, and make up incantations. It was all harmless. Mostly, my rituals were about improving my life and not being a depressed teen. Nevertheless, my parents were pissed when they found out and made me move back into the house. At the time, they claimed to be mad. I was lighting candles. That was their grievance. And probably walking around in socks and didn't want me to spill wax or burn the house down. Obviously, it was more than that. I was upset to lose that little bit of autonomy I had, but more so that the feeble excuse they gave me. Looking back, I'm convinced they succumbed to satanic panic. The media at the time was not far removed from the West Memphis street trials and just generalized Mm -hmm. sensationalizing of the occult. People uh, like my folks who weren't religious, like mine, were suspicious about their kids being... Uh, influenced by certain groups or beliefs. Still, I don't know what they were so afraid of. They were normally very understanding people, so that moment stands out as being disappointed in my mom and dad for not trusting me. See, that's why I can't hate on Geraldo too much, because the human brain sometimes just seems to believe bizarre things. Yeah. Totally. Well, and it's that's kind of like what you were saying about your parents, Mike, that they, you know, they weren't super religious or anything, but it's still filtered down. I mean, yeah. even to people who weren't like, and my parents were pretty super religious. So like you can imagine, that's why I had to go talk to the pastor about my Dungeons and Dragons and whatnot. But there's like real stuff them. comes up. <laughs> like, you know, what what infuriates me about this resurgence of all this crap lately with QAnon is that it really, I mean, real people are going to suffer so much for this yes. shit. It's not just like the McMartin yeah. preschool folks who, I mean, these people serve years in jail for mm-hmm. like, no reason. But also, um, we covered a, a, a case, murder of Peggy Hetrick, and it was a horrible miscarriage of justice. They arrested this high school kid, Tim McMasters, I think was his name, and he... Basically, he lived near the crime scene and had like stumbled upon the crime scene on his way to school. And I think like mentioned mm. seeing like a mannequin or something in the, you know, in the field. And then they went and questioned him and they searched his room and they found all these like, quote unquote, satanic looking drawings. It was just the kind of nerdy shit that any teenage boy who listens to Metallica sure. is going to draw. Like, you know, devils and knives and blood and all that kind of stuff. Nerd stuff, whatever. Everybody draws the <laughs> same kind of stuff, stuff I do teenager, today. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah like, I'm slowly, I'm covering up my <laughs> notebook right now of like my little tools <laughs> that I have here. <clears throat> your denim trapper keeper. Picture, <laughs> I'm drawing a picture of Black Philip right now. I got now. Dio on but, like, that was literally oh, it. Philip and rule. they had DNA that didn't match. They had fingerprints that didn't match this kid. They had so much evidence that he didn't do it. But because he was a weird kid who wore black and drew that kind of stuff, they arrested him. It was basically one detective that was just determined to put this kid away. And I forget how many years he served in prison. I think it was eight or nine before mm. finally DNA exonerated him mm. and got out. Mm-hmm. But that's just a, one of so many examples of just weird kids just being dunked on because of this I, shit. I think there's far more. Like, that's the worst case scenario. Imagine just like the personal trauma like some of oh, these absolutely. people have been talking about. And we we think like there's one or two cases. I bet you there's hundreds oh, of thousands, easily. if not half a million kids out there or millions of kids whose lives have been potentially ruined by this bullshit. Mm-hmm. This would be and, such a fun project to do. So, you know, like to interview. <laughs> what, ruining your life, kid? I'm in. Hey, um, call me if your life has been ruined. <laughs> <laughs> so we can have fun and talk about it. Yeah, exactly. Really so we can talk about your trauma. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but it, it just goes on and on and on. And it's just so crazy. Even the Dungeons and Dragons. It's so sad. I mean, what yeah. that was awesome. That was so much fun. By the way, bringing it back to Tom Hanks again. Tom Hanks yes. was in a movie called yeah, Mages he sure and was. Monsters, yes. which right. is like one of the early, right. which which filters into urban legends. There's always right. urban legends about tunnels. Yeah. yeah. Always urban and legends. Nothing good happens in tunnels. Right, right. That was real right. too, though. That like that was actually based on a real case. Yeah. It was oh. a disappearance. And of you know what the funny, the funny, a funny side yeah. anecdote on that one is that the 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 company that made it re-released it on DVD and the OOS and put like a modern photo of Tom Hanks 
on the cover. <laughs> yeah, and we're kind of and kind of made it look like the Da Vinci Code, and we're kind of hoping people would think it was related to what that. What the hell? Oh, that's too so, funny. So yeah, yeah, Tom Hanks really go. Tom Hanks and Geraldo, both of them, right through history. Something weird yeah. is going on here. Absolutely. It's a conspiracy. Well, he's um, Forrest the, Gump, so he has to be involved in every – he has to have his finger. Oh, oh right, dude, right, if they, right, did, if they right, did a right, sequel right. to Forrest Gump, they would have to have him stumbling <laughs> into the satanic panic in some way. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the other weird thing about this whole – well, at least that I've experienced, like when, Son, when Sons of Sam came out, I had the Satanists, who I actually like. I think they're – you know, I like the philosophy. Yeah, most are the Satanists decent. were calling me up, and they were calling me, and they're like, "You're a oh, what? Am, what was I? Uh, I don't know. Like, I was a satanic panic apologist, and then the hardcore like QAnon people were calling me up, and they were saying that I was a Satanist. Right. So right. Oh my God. I you was. I was. I cannot win. Yeah. Or, but maybe that was good because that meant like I I traveled right down the middle. Well, yeah, <laughs> I actually I actually appreciated that about that that series that you kind of like yeah. took both sides, you know. And mm -hmm. I actually yeah, appreciate that as in general with with your projects is that you're you're kind of you know exploring everything and and not claiming to know the absolute truth. On you know, there's some ideas presented in the Cropsy, yeah. like maybe there is other people in involved because there was the idea that other uh, former patients who were homeless and now maybe staying at the same uh abandoned hospital yeah could have potentially been been involved with this fella in some way yeah i mean that's a, a very legitimate thing I, you know it's 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 sad and it's unfortunate but that's very legitimate it's it's just so crazy that's why i like to do these things i'm trying to answer a question that i have and and i'm sure right. you guys all know this is as, as quote unquote investigators you go into a hardcore case your mind changes like nine times. There's oh, so yeah. many different oh, things. Oh, yeah, absolutely, like, absolutely. And I appreciate that. It's a so skeptical that's view the of these part. things. Right, and and was there ever pressure on you, Joshua, to like, you know, no, this is going to sell a lot more if you, if you, you mm. know, really sell it yeah. as a conspiracy thing that you're sure about, you know, if you really, yeah. like, questioning and being reasonable doesn't always, you know, isn't like the <laughs> most, like... No, it was the opposite. It was the opposite. Really? It's very funny, too. It's very funny, too, because I'll give you a little, like, when... I certain like discussing certain things. People are like, "Oh, what the? You don't know anything." And you work for Netflix, and Netflix is trying to like, I don't know. They're like Netflix has a certain agenda for Satanists or not Satanists. I was like, "Oh, uh, the Netflix care. Satanist agenda. We all know about that." <laughs> <laughs> but 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 the the only thing, the only responsibility was our own personal responsibility to not, you know, conflate or to make sure that we had as much stuff as possible. So yeah. it's fun to explore, but you also have to be careful. I mean, people are going to hear your show or your podcast. Sure. And if, if they are a little schizo or something, yeah, wrong, like yeah. they're going to take it and roll with it really hard. And that comes back on you. Right. Yeah. Right. I think. Yeah. I because honestly, does it? yeah, that's, that's almost part of what would like dissuade me from, I mean, obviously I would love to be at your level with all the things you're doing, but that must be a pretty heavy burden at times. I mean, even at my oh, tiny, yeah. tiny, tiny little local nothing level operation, I still feel like I, I like have a, you know, I have to be a little careful sometimes and, and somebody might take oh, yeah. something the wrong way. And there are people, there are like mm -hmm. at least some people that are like into my stuff and are a little bit influenced by it. You know, mm -hmm. it must be like a pretty heavy load to carry. And I'm sure Whitney, you're getting a lot of that too. Now that you're, podcast yeah absolutely up. well yeah and like when you start you're like oh it's no one cares it's just me i mean i'm just a dude you know it's just my <laughs> opinion or whatever and then you start hearing from people and realizing that what you're doing either like really meant a lot to them mm -hmm. or really mm -hmm. upset them and it's like oh okay hang on hang on a second okay i get it now like i have to be more mindful mm -hmm. yeah it's, yeah it's tough but it it also like prevents you from a lot like speculating, but responsibly speculating. Like, I wonder if it was this. I wonder yeah. if it was that. Yeah, because you have to be willing just, to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. People just You're roll right. with it. And I and I did another series called The Killing Season about the sex so workers good. in Long Island, and that 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 became really emotional mm -hmm. and and hard. Oh my god, I can imagine. Yeah, because, it was emotional watching it. I can imagine it was emotional making it. I, I mean, we were in the middle, we were, we'd be out on the street in like Albuquerque at like three o'clock in the morning talking to women, 
men, but sex workers mostly. And you just felt because there was an addiction issue where there's a dependency issue that this person wasn't going to be around in six months. And, and you felt bad. I I remember Mm -hmm. people on my crew were like, uh, somebody would say like, I want to get out. And they'd be like, Mm -hmm. okay. They'd be like, do you have any money? Mm -hmm. And it it was a real moral moral dilemma and i remember we were filming people in like daytona and somebody's like i want to get out can you help me get out can you help me get out to my family and we're like okay and they're like do you have any money and i was like i I don't think we can give this person money Mm -hmm. we'll we'll pay for a a ticket right right yeah Yeah. i mean sometimes giving someone like that money can meet can be the absolute worst thing you can do for them right like and we don't know we're right just sitting here filming trying to get us so we would say okay if you want to get out meet me at the train station at eight o'clock in the morning and I will buy you the tickets so you can leave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they never showed up. They never showed up. Oh man. But, but so you get into all these weird situations that are somewhat dubious as a, as a filmmaker or, you know, podcaster. And and so I think it's a really interesting um, place. It's a really difficult mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I bet. Yeah. Well, uh, Whitney, I know you're uh, you're a huge fan of, of Joshua. Is there any questions oh, you yeah. wanted to ask specifically before we wrap it up? Any uh, take it away? No, I just want him to tell me what the new project is. I'm mad <laughs> that he won't tell me. <laughs> well, a, a few just people. Like, I will ask. I bet it, I could guess before you ask. Uh, several people on the page have asked this, and they're like, "Can you please try and persuade him to make a, a documentary about the Satanic Panic?" And I was like, "That's yeah. about fifty percent of my my motivation." For doing this, but, so I would absolutely. Well, that's kind of you... why I mentioned that a minute ago. Right. Yeah. I actually looked yeah. into doing that once, partially inspired by Joshua himself. I was actually considering yeah. looking into make because I've you know I've done projects kind of like that, but like I was, but the licensing apparently would just be a nightmare. I bet. Yeah. Well, the question becomes so okay. So we're going to do a documentary about Satanic Panic, but what? Like, what is it about? Is it about a specific case which speaks about the larger issue? Is it well, about Well, we the can whole decide thing? that, Joshua. <laughs> <laughs> we can sit down and brainstorm, man. Why are you throwing up roadblocks already? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Always uh, naysaying. No, 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 yeah. no. <laughs> we can yeah, just get right down to it. Exactly. <laughs> Christ. But no, go, go, half the fun. <laughs> go ahead, Whitney. That's half the fun, figuring that out. It is. I it think. Is, it is. Not what, that I've I have a question. I have a question for you. Okay. If you could make one documentary about any one of your cases and that you thought it would just be like, okay, this is the one, what would it be? The mainline murders. What's that? That was quick. It the first season of our show <laughs> was a deep, deep dive into this bizarre murder case from the late 70s. Um happened on the main line in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. This um, school teacher, Susan Reinert, was brutally murdered. Her body was found in the trunk of a car. She'd been beaten to death. She had chain marks around her uh, wrists and neck. And her two children were missing. They were like 10 and 11. Mm-hmm. And the, as the story began to unfold, it's I always tell people it's the craziest murder case you've never heard of. I don't know mm-hmm. why it mm-hmm. hasn't gotten more play, although it was made into a TV miniseries called Echoes in the Darkness back in the 80s. But beyond that, until we did our, our podcast, nobody ever mm-hmm. really, you know. Anyway, it turned out that the killers were a pair of co-workers of hers from the Upper Marion High School where she taught. It was a very prestigious local high school. It was the former principal of the school who was an army colonel, very well-respected guy. But, oh, my God, did this guy have skeletons in his closet. I'm convinced he was a serial killer. We don't have any proof of it. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm convinced he murdered his daughter and son-in-law. He was into all kinds of weird shit. Like, he was unapologetically into bestiality, stuff like that. Um, and then the other, the mastermind of the whole thing was Susan Reinert's lover, Bill Bradfield, who was this handsome, extremely charismatic teacher at the high school. Everybody, well, everybody either loved this guy or hated this guy. Most of the guys kind of hated him, but the women were just, you know, because he was big and bearded mm-hmm. and blue-eyed and smart total masterclass in manipulation this guy he was we called our um our show puppet master the puppet master and the prince of darkness because Jesus. he really was a puppet master he just played everybody in his life 
incredibly skillfully at times and then incredibly non-skillfully at others hmm. to arrange for this woman's murder. Also, he could collect on life insurance money so that he could revive his failing career as a writer. He wanted to write the great American novel. He wanted to buy a sailboat and sail away with his 17-year-old girlfriend, who was one of his students. Mm. <laughs> That's like a great high school. It, oh, my God. You have no idea. That place was bananas. Like, they had teachers getting in brawls in the, in the teacher's lounge. Wow. Like, Jeez. So at, like, people would walk into the principal's office, and Jace, the principal, would be in there in his boxer shorts with his feet up on the desk. Just like hanging what out. Fucking high school is this? <laughs> well, that it sounds that actually sounds kind of cool. Yeah, that's I appreciate. Yeah, that. it is. Come on in. I bet he orders pizzas like directly into the classroom. Yeah. That type of thing. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Yeah. And, and, and Mike, he, what's your, what, what's yours? Oh man, if I could make one documentary on anything, oh my yeah. god, true crime related or anything related. You know what? Anything related. <sighs> Go for it. <laughs> uh, okay, well, my big thing is Billy the Kid. I'm a, I'm kind of a Billy the Kid historian. Oh, I, I don't know why. Wow. That's a, that's a whole other psychological issue to explore for me. I don't really. Um, <laughs> I've I've had a, like I had a thing published in Skeptic about Billy the Kid and uh, fake death theories. Um, yeah, I'm so into that. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's it. weird. I'm not even like that into the Wild West or anything like that. Like I just right. I just fell I just became obsessed with that story when I was a kid, and it kind of like coincided with like me getting into rock and roll and like the Bon Jovi song and everything. And like I don't know, wanted dead or alive? Uh, no, the uh, Blaze of Glory, Blaze the one, the one right, with right. the foot. So yeah, it had the Young Guns two footage You're in the video. Young Guns fan, yeah, that right? was that was the gateway, and it just opened this. You know, I always had a, most people seem to assume that Billy the Kid was like this. You know, like your typical old West outlaw that's robbing saloons and stuff like that. And it turns out there's this yeah. whole huge, massive story beneath it that kind of goes back to like. Uh, you know, um, the, the uh, uh, what's that called? The expansion West. The um, yeah. The uh, uh, what's that called? What's the word for that? For when the white people came out and uh, uh, manifest destiny. Manifest destiny. Manifest destiny, destiny and and like the uh, the the kind of abuse of the Hispano people. He he really was more than anything like kind of a Che Guevara for for Hispano people in New Mexico oh, at the time. It was, I love yeah. that so much. You yeah, need he to make he, this. he really was like a political figure. And there's a weird uh, meeting with him and Lou Wallace, who was writing uh, Ben Hur at the time, and like they they became like they kind of worked on this this project together to try to bring peace to New Mexico. And it's just a weird, you know, all these themes of like celebrity. Like he basically was, he wasn't really the prototypical cowboy as he was like an emulation of like, he grew up reading in the police gazette about cowboys and then kind of came uh, out West and became, so there's all these different angles and stuff. I'm writing something now that I don't know what it will become. Uh, I don't know if I'll, I'll do like a book or a pod series and basically like the story's been told a million times, but I want to tell the story of the story, you know, like why am I obsessed with Billy yeah, yeah, the kid? Yeah. Why do you, why does everyone in this room know the name Billy the kid? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like what's, right. what, what made him go viral and like what's actually there, you know, and what makes him stand out? Um, so yeah, that would probably be my dream, dream one, uh, true crime related, definitely satanic panic. Although I guess Billy is true crime, but you know, yeah, in a very retro, yeah. yeah. Uh, hayseed uh, wagon wheel kind of way, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Now, okay. Now let's turn the tables on Joshua. Of of all that you have not uh -oh. made or currently want to make, what would be oh, your geez. your project? We got ten minutes left, by the way, guys. Oh uh, man, I don't know. Um, okay, I have a good one for you. I may do this. So remember before I was mentioning this occult bookshop in New York City called mm. um, Magical Child? Right. It was a really famous place. Like all the occultists, whether you were a Green Wiccan, an evil process church member, uh, a, I don't know, all the different types of witches that are out there, you know, but they would all go to this bookshop. And it was run by this man named Herman Slater, who was a gay Jewish witch. <laughs> and all the Satan, all like the kind of crazy, like Satanists are like, he was a pedophile. And right. I don't really think he was a pedophile. I think he was more, he just liked young, the young trade, as they call it. You know, he liked his 17, 18 year old boys and he would like let them work at the shop and, and, and that type of stuff. And so it was a, it was a really cool and weird place where all these different groups of people went in. One of the coolest things is that, there was a whole contingent of Marvel comic book 
artists and writers who hung out and were part of the whole community. Hmm. And so like Chris Claremont, the guy who wrote X-Men. So a lot of the early Marvel guys were kind of occultists. Wow. Really? If you go, yeah. And so if you like look and when you start to get into like the X-Men Whoa. and their superpowers. You can see it in, you can see it in Star, the comics. You can see all Oh, those that's so interesting. Cool, you can see all those kind of really early ideas of spells and superpowers mm -hmm. and, sure. and mutants and anything. So I really would love to look at the kind of early days of or almost the heyday, right? Of right. the 1960s, 70s comic books and the occult and, and around. Oh, that would be shop. amazing. I would watch the shit out of that. Please make Absolutely. that. Absolutely. If, if you're, you're bringing in sat like Satanic Panic and X-Men, I am so down. <laughs> oh my God, right? You throw Billy oh, the Kid yeah. in there and yeah, I will yeah. personally <laughs> finance this myself Soul. somehow. <laughs> All right, guys, this has been an amazing episode. Do we have any any final thoughts you wanted to get out there? Anything that you have on your on your mind that you want to throw well, out there? Satanic panic by, related. Well, by the way, just on the weird New Jersey front, I don't know if you heard, but those guys, uh, Vertigo, uh, which uh, the company just picked up Weird New Jersey, oh, and nice. I think they're going to make a series out of it. But oh, that's it's awesome. going to be. I heard it's going to be a narrative series about two guys like running weird New Jersey because New Jersey is under attack from supernatural forces. Oh, and, oh my God. <laughs> you know, and so in a comedy way, they're like yeah. rolling around oh, and cool. visiting all the weird New Jersey That's sites cool. to fight. To fight the, uh, yeah. the forces that are trying to take over New Jersey. And the great thing about that is one of the guys has a name that's almost mine, I think. It's like Mark Mark Moran or something like that. Yeah, 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 uh -huh. yeah. Which, yeah. Uh, which means I might get a little uh, accidental uh, extra traffic, Jimmy. There look you out go. For that. Love that. I, I already got the, the Mark right. Maron share, right? I got yeah. the Michael Moore. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering about that, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I get confused for, with him every now and then. He's like from, you know, not too far from me. So. That's why they're on the show right yeah. now. They're right. like, wait, you're not Mark <laughs> Mary. I, I seriously think that that has happened before. I think that's why some people have. Wait a second. <laughs> oh, right. that, that sounds the guy. <laughs> wait, I thought that's why I agreed. To I look enough podcast. like him too. Wait, I do. Yeah. I actually make that joke on stage. Like I look enough like Mark Marin or Michael Moore combined. Really, <laughs> that you know, yeah, Okay, so I need so, to change my name to something that sounds. That's the like key to it. success. I'm taking notes. Exactly. It's just like so that e that uh, Tom Hanks movie with Whitney the DVD Houston. cover. You got to trick exactly. People. <laughs> that's right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So I have a good Michael Moore story. I was filming, like I just started out in a doc business and I'm a, I'm filming for Michael Moore. Like he, we were running around doing like the movie. I did one of the movies that nobody's ever heard of and which is great for my career. And I was a cameraman and he, he turns to me outside. He goes, whatever I say, don't turn off the camera. And I'm like, okay. And so we go in, we start filming and he walks in the door. I forget where it was, but so, you know, immediately security comes at us and he's like, okay, turns to me. And they're like, sir, turn off the camera. He's like, okay, look, remember what I told you about side about not turning off the camera? He's like, it's okay. You can turn <laughs> off the camera. <laughs> and I was like, oh, fuck. So it's a Tyler Durden kind of moment here. Like he definitely <laughs> totally, said totally. you were going to say that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so I walk out and we, and I, I like put my finger over the, the little red button <laughs> and I kind go. of stopped filming. We got outside and he's like, you didn't stop filming, did you? And uh -huh. I was like, no, I... but I was like, but that was the worst thing ever. How could you do that to me? Like you mm. really fuck with yeah. me so hard. And he's like, that's the lesson. That's how oh, I know hush. <laughs> Shove your lesson in your lesson. ass, Michael. <laughs> right, right. That, I feel like I remember that. Which which movie was that? Every movie, every movie, he turns around and says, "Stop shooting!" But the cameraman keeps shooting. Right? Okay, okay, that makes sense then. I, th I feel I think I've seen most of his oh, work Lord. over the years, but that's um, exhausting. I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, any yeah. final thoughts? No, just thank you. This has been so thank much you. fun. Of course, I wish it yeah. Was going of course, on thank you, hours. guys. This is yeah, me too. <laughs> I would absolutely love to do a sequel episode if we want to get more specific on a, on another topic or whatever. I'm absolutely happy to do that. This has been a dream episode for me, for real. Uh, Joshua, again, where can we find all your all your stuff? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm around. You know, Mondays, Tuesdays, uh, Wednesdays, happy days. <laughs> no, you can you can catch me. Uh, at I'll be outside Twitter. of the Seven <laughs> Eleven. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Just hanging out, drinking beer. Um, at uh, it's um, at J O S H Z E M A N. Uh, same thing on uh, the IG. So you know, hit me up. Let's talk. Awesome. Want to hear awesome. your stories? Awesome, Whitney. Yes. Hit us with the uh, hit us with the yes. plug. Plug us. Well, yeah, true crime campfire, folks. It's um. We we say we roast murderers and marshmallows around the campfire, <laughs> so we're hard. We're we're a little hard on the perps occasionally, but yeah. they deserve it. And people appreciate that. Your mama. To them. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's a I think a really fresh way of true crime podcasting, and I don't say that lightly because there's not that much fresh out there. But we're we're very narrative. It's right, you know, right. we're a storytelling podcast, but we do interject some humor and yeah, we're yeah, like I was about it, but, yeah. And this yeah. was this was a fun milestone that I was I was telling with me about someone at the uh, the the bar that I, I work at brought up uh, yeah. true crime campfire uh, apropos yeah. of nothing they just brought it up out of that nowhere was so cool. and I said I I'm you're gonna think I'm really cool because I know those people <laughs> and also and also I use the word so apropos cool. <laughs> so you're really gonna think I'm cool <laughs> all right guys this was an amazing episode thank you so so much Joshua Zeman Whitney Lay this was amazing thank you. Please come back anytime and uh, have a good rest of your weekend. And a very Thanks Merry Christmas. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye, Appreciate everybody. It.